It is great to be with you. And uh, President Tennant called me a couple of weeks ago. He said, Dan, you're going to retire soon. After 40-some years of ministry, you're going to retire, and I'm going to come down to your retirement. I said, wow, that's really great. And he said, and I'd like you to preach in chapel at the board meeting. I said, oh, gee. Uh, he said, well, you've been at this a long time. You've really uh, earned it. You've really gotten really old, and I'd like to honor you. <laughs> he didn't say it quite that way, but that's sort of what, <clears throat> at any rate, uh, it sort of reminded me of, uh, we've got, Jan and I have uh, two children and five grandchildren, and I'll only tell you one grandchild's story, but uh, Three in our local town, and our daughter, who uh, Tim referenced, she and her husband have two. They live in Blacksburg, Virginia. And uh, the three in our town, uh, one likes to read a lot and plays water polo. The youngest is a dancer and gymnast. The middle guy plays all kinds of sports. His name is Holden. And I love to play with him. It reminds me when my son was young. And so we were throwing football the other, a while back. It's probably in the third grade. He's kind of an engineer mind. I overthrew him, it went into the bushes, and he turned to go get the football, and he stopped, and he looked back at me, and I said, do you want, do you want me to go get the football? He said, yeah. I said, what's the matter? Are you afraid there's a snake in there? He said, he said yeah, and besides, I got a lot longer life left to live than you do. <laughs> Uh, and Tim, Tim, so do you, so all right. Uh, <laughs> this little book of Ruth that uh, Tammy, I'm so honored that Tammy, who I've been close to all these years, and uh, what a great team you have here. What, uh, what a joy to be alongside Jessica. Uh, Jan and I, and a member of our church, a couple of members of our church, flew up for Ellsworth Callis uh, memorial service, was and what a treasure you have in Jessica to the amazing things. At any rate, uh, the little book of Ruth uh, is known as the Migaloth. You, you, you graduating seniors, you know all these things. It means the little scrolls. There are five of these little books, Ruth, Esther, Song of Songs, Lamentations, and Ecclesiastes. And they're read on various feast days in the, throughout the Jewish year. Uh, the book of Ruth is read on the Feast of Weeks to celebrate the closing of harvest, as you can understand, as she's the one who gleaned in the grain fields. Unfortunately, in Christian tradition, uh, the book of Ruth almost never shows up in any of the liturgical readings. However, every time you participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion and recite the opening line of the great Thanksgiving, which is, the Lord be with you, that comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verse 4. When Boaz greets the workers in the fields, he says, the Lord be with you. Over the years, the book of Ruth has been treated differently in the history of scholarship, sometimes like a light read novella, sometimes like a nice kind story. Um, but they're coming back to what we have known, I think, all along a deep, strong theological and social justice kind of story, a book. I'm talking about a biblical view of kindness today that is theologically rich 
and powerful. It begins with the name of the the man in the story, Elimelech, who in Hebrew means, my God will rule. And that sets the tone because it's the ruling hand of God that's at work throughout the story. There's the time that it starts out in a famine, and then there's moments of ecstasy, and then down, and then up, just like when you go to your churches, sometimes you're here, and sometimes you're there. But throughout the hidden hand of God in the life of this young woman named Ruth. In the first two chapters, it's mentioned six times that Ruth is a Moabitess. You don't have to read very far in the Old Testament to know that Israelites and Moabites didn't get along very well. They were bitter enemies. You can read about it in Isaiah 15 and 16, Jeremiah uh, 48. So at times the Moabites were bitter rivals. A parallel today might be Syrian refugees. I was so unbelievably gratified when I learned that President Tennant led the way and this community embraced in the midst of a political storm the other way, the welcoming of Syrian refugees into this community. And I understand they arrived this past Monday on your day of prayer. Thanks be to God for that kind of bold and biblical kindness on your part. In 1970, I was studying Germany in Germany at the Goethe Institute because I was, thought that was a way to understand biblical theology. And I met a fellow student from Syria. He said, I'm an Antiochian, or I'm an Assyrian Christian. I said, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of that. In my naive rural Ohio way, he was nice. He didn't say, well, we've been around for 2,000 years. How long, how long have you been around? Isn't it interesting what we bring to our conversations? But I want us to focus on this dimension of kindness in the story. When Ruth and Boaz, when Ruth, Ruth asked Boaz, how do I deserve the favor and kindness? He says, I've been told all about your kindness to your mother-in-law. And then when she gets home, Ruth says to Naomi, she tells about Boaz, And here's what she says. Uh, Naomi says, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And it's not clear in my reading of this whether the he is Boaz or God. And sometimes people gain a clearer understanding of God through the actions of humans. You know, this word in Hebrew is chesed, this deep, self-giving, costly kindness. In the book of Joshua, and Rahab uh, meets the spies, and she saves their lives and shows them kindness. She says to them, now that I've shown kindness to you, will you show kindness to me and my family when you come back and take the city? In 1 Samuel 15, when his armies of Saul are surrounding the Kenites, he says to them, now go away from here so I don't have to destroy you. For you show kindness, hesed, to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. No one is an island. No one stands alone. There's this uh, repercussions of kindness. Now, in the New Testament, I just discovered this. There's a Greek word for kindness, which is Christos. Not Christos, which you know as Christ. Christos, 
It's an Ada in the middle instead of an Iota. And I've got a few passages that will come up on the screen. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 36. Are they on the screen now? I left my Bible in the board meeting, so I don't know how to quite turn around and read that passage. Uh, Read down through there. Okay, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? This is Jesus talking. Even sinners love those who love them, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And then from Ephesians we read, But love your... And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, Christos, to us in Christ Jesus. Next, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And then finally, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and humility. We live in a culture of meanness, don't we? When being mean and belittling speech is celebrated, it might get you nominated for president, but it won't carry you for life. And the models of leaders that we're putting forth, I know it's politics, but it lends itself to bullying. We live in a culture that celebrates that. Here's my word to you who are soon to be graduates going out and to me and to the rest of us. You're trained, you're ready, you're educated, you know your Greek, your Hebrew, your systematic theology, your exegesis, your hermeneutics, and your homiletics, words that no one out there cares one thing about. But they care deeply that you know how to do what those words mean. And they care about the kind of person you are. A few years ago, Jim Collins wrote that great book, Good to Great, Built to Last. And he looked around at those companies which were amazing and he discovered lots of things. And then he looked about what's the kind of person that leads those meetings, those groups. And he was shocked to learn that it wasn't the charismatic, it wasn't the macho, it wasn't the bravado or the flamboyant. You know the level five leader he talked about. Humility and an iron will. Thanks be to God, Asbury Seminary has a leader, a level five leader who has humility and an iron will. Aren't you grateful for Tim Tennant? My understanding is uh, his iron will is a gift from God and his humility is a constant gift that Julie Tennant gives him. (laughs) Kindness. I just thought of this story on the way over here today that I'm going to change it around. When I was about 10 years old, I grew up on a farm in Ohio, fifth generation farm, about three and a half hours north of here. One of six boys. I'll probably get a little emotional telling this, but um, 
And I wasn't into the ag stuff so much, but I did have a lamb in 4-H. And uh, any of you have ever done that, I got the lamb ready for the county fair. And you have a platform that, that sits up, and then you strap the lamb into the, okay, some of you are nodding your heads. And you wash it, and you comb it, and you do all these things. And I was 9 or 10 years old, and unthinkingly, I left that lamb. Yeah. And I don't know what I did. I went somewhere not thinking what in the world would happen. And I got back, and the lamb had fallen off and suffocated itself. And I'll never forget what my dad did or didn't do. He could have punished me. He could have been, he had every right to be harsh. We had no extra money. Dad was so kind to me. And I realized, in some sense, he took upon himself the cause of that expensive lamb. He bore it. And forever, I'm realizing now, shaped my view of God and of the cross and of the kindness of God. I never put that together until just this moment. Kindness, it doesn't mean you won't be a visionary leader. It won't, doesn't mean you're just being nice. It means you earn the right to lead. And make no mistake about it, you earn the right to lead every day. If I had a dime for every time I heard a group say to a pastor, we want you to be a strong leader. And what they really mean is, we want you to lead the way we want you to lead so five and a half years ago, when Terry Jones in our community, just around the corner from us, started sending his kids to school with this thing on his shirt, on their shirts that said, Islam is of the devil, and threatened to burn the Koran, and got media, news media from all around the globe there, I, who am not a prophetic person, knew that we needed to do something out of kindness, the kindness of God to us, the kindness to these persons who were being in some sense, persecuted. We gathered the interfaith group together. Somebody invited me to sit down with a Pakistani doctor couple who were Muslims. And I will tell you, I grew up in Ohio where, as a Methodist kid, I will, we were a little, a little nervous about Catholics. <laughs> so you talk about a leap. I mean, a ginormous leap. And I thought, can I be faithful to Jesus and still talk to these folks? I mean, that's, I'm just being honest. And it was a moment in my life. I was being faithful as I understood Jesus to be kind. And we opened, we had chairs in our facility, opened them up, had people gather, had a centerpiece of breads from around the world, and invited 2,000 folks, Pakistani, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, Christian. It is still talked about today in Gainesville. And it was only later that one of our members said, Dan, I was scared to death. What You were, you were going to blow our church apart. But it was an attempt to be kind. You remember in the movie Jackie Robinson, where Branch Rickey says, Jackie, I don't need someone strong enough to strike back. I want somebody strong enough not to strike back. 
and after the Charleston shooting, where we were all amazed at the gracious kindness and forgiveness of that group of persons who were affected, I began to think then that our African-American brothers and sisters may be the ones to show us a way forward. Because as Fleming Rutledge has said in her wonderful book on the crucifixion, they know what it's like to have lived in the crucible. And I mark my words, they will show us if we'll listen. And we've been meeting in our community with groups across the community that that might not ever happen again. So come back with me to that Greek word, krestos, kindness. Its root meaning is useful, good for its own kind, the way it's intended to be genuine. So to be kind is to be the way God intended you to be in your creation, and sanctifying grace restores the way we were intended to be. Now, all of you, many of you, if you started preaching, you understand right away that the the beauty and the challenge of preaching is you get to learn something, but you're also preaching to yourself first before you preach it to anybody else. And I was feeling really good about this sermon because, you know, you, you gear things so that it makes you look good, like I'm kind of a kind person, and I'm pointing out things that the rest of you aren't doing so well. But right before we came here, uh, I go to our kids, grandkids games and all of that. And and our grandson Holden plays basketball. And our son said to me the other day, Dad, uh, the parents of this Upward group, some of you are familiar with Upward, we got together uh, to talk about, you know, things in basketball and the way it's going. And it's it's a Christian organization. And and we began to say that, you know, uh, we really need everybody not to yell at the referees. (laughs) Some of you know where this is going, don't you? And Dad, I just have to tell you, there were two names that kind of began to surface among everybody, and yours was one of them. I said, I'm just trying to help them out. Uh, They missed some calls. And it was like, yeah. I think, what am I doing? The guy beside me said, he he didn't know about this conversation. He was just talking about the game. He said, look, these kids are having a great time. They're playing in air conditioning. They're learning the fundamentals of basketball. They're having fun. Let's just enjoy it. I'm thinking... That's the other thing about preaching. You you get irritated when other people tell the preacher what the preacher is supposed to be telling them. It's not just about the referees, is it? For me, it is. But kindness is that hard work that pushes you through to what you disagree with with somebody else or can't stand about somebody else. That hard work of saying, in my case, you know, gosh, I guess the referee's doing the best he or she can. Or I wonder why that person is doing that. 
Who's your referee? Who do you have a hard time being kind to? Somebody who's different? Somebody whose political views are different? Christians aren't always kind to one another. So back to this Greek word in these texts for kindness, krestos. I was surprised to learn that it also occurs in Matthew 11.30. You know that passage. I was so surprised that last night at the faculty trustee dinner, I went to David Bauer. I went to the oracle himself. (laughs) He told me more than I needed to know, but... uh, (laughs) Where are you, David? I saw you. Oh, there you are. He said, you know that's a chiasm. You know that. I said, oh, yeah, I, I knew all that. No. <laughs> Here's a place I didn't, but he said, basically, you're right on this point. The place I didn't expect to see this word of kindness is in Matthew eleven thirty. 30. You remember this? Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Holy cow, are you guys out there? Come on now. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is do you know the Greek word for easy is krestos kindness yeah and my burden is light now easy in the sense of as it's intended to be um, and there's a legend that says over Jesus' carpentry shop, he makes the best oxen yoke in Palestine. It fits easy. But as David and I talked, there might be a play on Christos, Christos. My yoke is easy for you because the kindness of God in what Jesus did for us on the cross. You hear that? He took all of our burdens and all of our sin and all of our pain and all of our ugliness and all and took it on himself so that it might be easy for us. And so that in Ephesians 2, as we read, speaks of the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What Jesus did for us on the cross is God's amazing kindness. The farthest thing from just being nice, that self-giving love, that he pours into your hearts and minds. Are you, are you kind? Jen and I have been walking around the campus yesterday and last night and over at the college. I learned something here at Asbury Seminary a long time ago. John Oswald's class, a Hebrew word called hesed, kindness. And then Asbury put within me a desire to always kind of be learning. And so I learned this past week this Greek word, krestos. 
a yoke of kindness. And as Tim said, in 1970, across the street, I was a senior and Jan was a sophomore. We saw this outpouring of God's Spirit. Eight days, four or five hundred people in the chapel at three o'clock in the morning. And I was profoundly moved by the Spirit of love and kindness on that campus and this so amazed, as Isaac Watts put it in his incomparable song, when I survey the wondrous cross, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and your all. So whatever you do, do it with kindness. The same kind of kindness God has shown to you in Christ Jesus. Kindness to yourself. Sometimes the hardest kindness. Kindness you've experienced here. My grandson is right. He's got a lot longer life left to live than I. But I want to live these last years like Bishop Kim. In passionate love of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Amen.